for being here. We felt your presence, and we know that you didn't leave because we stopped singing or dancing. You're still here, and it's your word that heals us. You said you sent your word and healed our disease. It's your words that actually holds the whole world together. It's your words that give life to us. And so, Father, I ask that today that, that you would speak your word over everyone here, that it would speak life into our hearts, that it would cause growth, it would cause change, it would cause revelation to take place, that we may know you better in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I just, I, I, I'm going to do two or three weeks on this same topic. And, and basically the topic is love is a choice. I love how Tommy was telling his testimony and how three years ago the Lord completely turned his life around. And it all happened by him saying yes to the Lord. There was nothing else involved, but yes, Lord, I give up, I surrender, I choose you. And then from that moment of decision, everything changed after that. Desires change. Am I telling the truth? When we turn our heart towards the Lord and we choose him, the desire and the love follows our choice. I really want to start off here again because so many people today say, well, love is a feeling. I can't help who I love. I can't help who I'm, I'm you know, attracted to. I can't help what I desire. I can't, I can't help these things. But love is always a choice. Always a choice. Can we, hey, can we turn those? Yeah, thanks. Sorry, I, I just noticed that out of the side of my, I was like, oh, the announcements are true. <laughs> Sorry. You can keep reading the announcements or you can listen to me, but either way, it's fine. <laughs> um, love is a choice. We talked about how Saul and, and how David, how they came to be king. How God anointed Saul and said he was the man. And David did not think that it was right for him to take the throne from Saul when God had removed his blessing from him. David waited and was even chased for up to 13 years of his life with Saul trying to kill him. And yet in that 13 years, David made a decision not to defile God's anointed. Even y'all remember when Saul went to take a nap and go to sleep inside of, of the cave how David was in the same cave with him and he cut off a piece of his robe, but he did not touch Saul? Yeah? We're going to have to turn them off too. Can you do that? Thanks. Um, he, he decided not to touch Saul. Even though Saul, if someone had been trying to kill me for 13 years of my life and I had him where I wanted him, You know, I would have taken care of it. This is over. I'm tired of running for my life. I'm tired of having to live in a tent or live in caves. I'm gonna. But but David had a heart after God, and he made a decision to say, "You know what? I will not touch anyone." God has said is king. Even though David had already been anointed as the next king, he saw that it wasn't something for him to take hold of, and it was a choice that he made. It was a decision that he made not to touch God's anointed. Then we go on through there and we read some scripture in uh, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. And he told us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with our, all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Then he says in Exodus 20, to have no other gods before him. Right? Then we read in Proverbs 4.23 that says, above all else, guard your, everyone say that, guard your heart. Because out of it springs all of life's issues, right? Above all else, guard your heart. 
I think it's really important that we stop for a second and make sure that we all know that we are the guardians and the gatekeepers of what stays in our heart. Bitterness can't go into my heart unless I choose to allow it to. It's all a choice. Like, things are going to happen to us, but the way I respond to that thing is a choice. So, someone hurts my feelings. That's fine. Someone hurts our feelings all the time. We hurt other people's feelings all the time. But it's my choice whether or not to let go of their throat or not. And if I decide, man, I'm a, I got you, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back, right? We've kind of got that. If you hurt me on a scale of four, I'm going to hurt you on a scale of eight so that you never hurt me again. We kind of got that built into us, right? It's the, yeah, it's the counterpunch mentality. And I'm going to get you really hard so you don't try that again. But that's not kingdom. That's why Jesus said if someone hits you on the cheek, oh, <laughs> Isn't it interesting that he says if someone punches you on the, in the face, your next thing is a choice, not a feeling, not a spirit, not an emotion, not a desire. Your next action is a choice to turn the cheek or not to. It's always a choice. Love is a choice. We chose our spouse. I said this last week. I chose Mandy. I did not fall in. I did not trip into love with Mandy. I fell in love with her. I am in love with her. She's in love with me. But that's not how we met. We both made a decision. I sat in my Jeep for about three hours one night outside of Chili's trying to work up the nerve to ask her out. True story. I rehearsed it and rehearsed it and rehearsed it over and over and over in my head trying to get the weird frog thing out of my throat as I said it so that when I went in I sounded like a man and not, uh, you know a boy when I went into her hey how you doing? Just, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about men women think oh men don't have it it is the hardest thing in the world when you man you found the person you want to spend the I choose you I to to go and ask that question boy that's tough and so I sat out there forever I finally worked up the nerve to walk in there I probably got out of my Jeep and back in a few times, but I made a decision. I, God didn't say, you have to marry this woman. Some of us think that God's going to just come down and say, hey, here's who you're supposed to marry. Here's the job you're supposed to work at. Here's how much money that you're supposed to make. Here's the kind of car you're supposed to drive. And I know with all my heart, God is interested in all of those decisions. But guess who he wants to make those choices? Us. I believe God wants us to choose for ourselves. We even went into Joshua when he said to them, hey, you see the foreign gods and you see our God. You know God's history with us. You know their history and how evil and where they go. If serving God is undesirable to you, then choose for yourself whom you will serve. There wasn't a desire. It was a choice. I could really dig into this a lot. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to, um, on, on even the homosexual agenda and all this kind of thing. Well, I can't, someone came to me years ago and we were talking about this. I'm like, you know, if you have desire for someone of the same sex, that's fine. You just can't act upon it. Well, you just, you just don't act upon it. The Bible does not give us permission to do that and still be in right standing. It just doesn't. 
So I have to deal with the choice that I make. I, I think a lot of, in this culture today, a lot of young people are not homosexual, but they're making a choice to live that way because it's in vogue. Like, well, I just one day, I decided I'm going to do this because I, I, I don't know. Maybe I want attention. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not trying to down, downplay the decision. It's a big decision, no question about it. But, but it's, so, it's so praised in our culture that a lot of people just say, well, I'm just going to do that. Some people, I didn't decide to be a, I didn't have a desire from birth to be a drug addict. One day I chose to try drugs and you become a drug addict. Like, these desires in us come from a choice. The choice always will, will drive our desires. Hello? It's just true. That's why we should have great sympathy and compassion for anyone who makes a really bad choice and finds himself in a really bad mess. Because they just made a bad choice. And choices have consequences to them that we sometimes have to go back and clean up a really big mess. But I remember, <laughs> uh, I don't know how old Josiah was. He was old enough for him to understand what I was saying, so I, I don't know. But he crawled into some space and he got stuck. And he couldn't get out. And he's like, Dad, how do I get out? I was like, you get out the same way you got in. Just the same way you went in there is the same way you get out. So if you're stuck in a bad choice right now, simple. Make a different choice. Like, oh, it's not that simple. Absolutely it's that simple. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I know this to be true, that if you make a better decision, if you're stuck then your desires will follow your decision. It's just true. Like, I don't feel like doing this. That's because the decisions we've made in the past have built feelings inside of us that aren't from God. You're like, why do I feel these things? Because I've made hundreds of decisions that have caused me to feel a certain way. Like, well, I don't know how to change the way I feel. Yeah, you make a different choice. But I don't feel like it. Good. That means you really need to do it. <laughs> and when you do the right thing, oh, come on. When we do the right thing, it may not instantly make me feel like doing more right things. So guess what I have to do the next time a decision comes up? I have to choose the right thing. And if, as time goes by, there will be a momentum created by our choices and our desires will be according to the direction that we've chosen. If we want to serve the Lord, we choose, choose, I choose you now, God. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that looks like, but I choose you today. I wake up tomorrow, God, I choose you today. I don't know what that looks like today, but I choose you. And we keep doing that. The Bible says that he orders our steps. And that's what righteousness is. I have chosen as for me and my house, I have chosen to serve the Lord. I choose you. And the desire will come to where we burn for the Lord. Amen? And this is where we started last week. Um, and I just, I just wanted to reiterate it, that God could have maneuvered every one of us into a place where we only had one place to go, and that's to choose him. Like, I want you to think about that really for a second with a sovereign God who literally could make the mountains shake speaks worlds into existence he could have easily manipulated through power and authority 
every person on crea- in creation to love him easily. He could have built something into the DNA, into the atmosphere where every person is born, not with a choice, but with a desire to love him. Think about this. <laughs> if God built inside of us a gene, a desire to just love him and there's no choice involved, then there could be no reward involved. You know, Hebrews says that we must believe that God is and he is the what? The rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Just for today, let's change the word seek to choose. We must believe that God is. And not only does he exist, not only is he the creator of the universe and he holds my breath in his hands. That's true. But he's also the rewarder of those who choose him. See, God wants to reward our decisions. <laughs> he loves to reward us. How many of ever, you know for a fact, that God brought something into your life and it was a reward from a decision? God loves to do it. He's a good father. He absolutely loves to reward us. But there could be no reward if there was no choice. All right, y'all good? So what did he do? From the very beginning, (laughs) he removed obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. He removed lever, and what I mean by lever is something that would leverage me or force me into a direction. He removed one after another after another that would make me serve him. And when Jesus went to that cross, the final obligation to God was removed in that Jesus paid for our penalty. Oh, you got to hear this. Jesus took all of our punishment upon him. There's no greater motivation to serve God than the fear of punishment. (laughs) If you're like, man, I'm just afraid of going to hell. I'm afraid my life's not going to go well. I will serve God. Guess what? It seems like the greatest motivation. But God says, you know what? I'm going to remove that motivation, and I'm going to go ahead and punish Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and pour my wrath on him instead of everyone in creation that deserves it. And I'm doing that so that now every person that hears the gospel, every person that hears about me and my son will know they completely have a free will to choose or not choose me dude that's y'all got that so every one of us in this room we chose God because he loved us because he removed everything that would make me love him He did not want robots. He did not want a religious cult of people that were brainwashed. He wanted people that were powerful. He wanted people that were powerful, that had free will to decide for themselves, and that in the midst of all these options in the world, chose him as their first love. And that is what we're in now. So when we say yes to him, we're choosing him. 
and the love and the passion and the desire and everything else that we want our relationship with him to be about follows the decision. All right, I'm going to pause. Selah. Jeremiah 1.5, before you were formed, I knew you. I chose you. John 15.16, you did not choose me. I chose you. We love him because he first loved us. While we were still sinners, Romans 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 1, I chose you before the foundations of the world. Think about that for a second. God chose us before the foundation of the world to be his sons and daughters. Let's go to Matthew 6. And let's finish up for today. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 6. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's good for us. Matthew 6, verse 1. Be careful. Everyone say, be careful. Not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. It's okay to, to worship publicly, but it's not okay to worship publicly to be seen by them. Oh, isn't, it, isn't there a, that, that thin line between everything, all through the Bible? It's always about the motivation. It's always about what is driving my heart. So then he goes on, he says, if you do, if you perform your acts of righteousness in front of men to be praised by them or seen by them, then you will have no what? Reward from the Father in heaven. There it is again. God the Father is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him choose him, love him, right? But if we do things out of a motivation to be validated by people instead of by him, then our reward is them going, oh, wow, look at them worship. Oh, they are so holy and pure. I want to be like them. That's our reward. Stuff we don't even hear. absolutely it's empty calories it does not last it's no good for us so he says don't do this he goes so when you do give to the needy don't announce it with trumpets and 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 as the hypocrites in the synagogue see what they would do is they would come in and basically blow their trumpets and have a party and say oh look at me right he said don't do that don't do it to be honored by men again you can do things publicly But don't do them so that your reward is people's honor instead of God's honor. I tell you the truth. They have received their full reward. When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. And the Father who sees in secret will what? Reward. There's the word again. Reward you openly. I love that. (laughs) Let's keep going. Y'all good? All right. Verse 5. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, that word hypocrite, we like to use that word and throw that word around a lot. But literally, 
it means to put a mask on. It was used in the theater. It was when they would put a mask on to change who they were in the play or the character. And they took a Greek word, Hippocrates, or whatever the word is, something like that, and I almost said crap. No, I'm just like... <laughs> Basically, they would put a mask on and become a different character. And he's saying, don't be two-faced. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't do one thing over here and then put on a mask and perform a different way for different people. And he would say, when, people, when these people pray, they go and they put their mask on. And they go stand on the street corner and they play this spiritual religious thing and they pray and they cry out and they look miserable so people can say, oh, look how righteous and pious they are. And he says, they've already got their reward. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father in secret. And the father who sees in secret will reward you openly. <sighs> what does the reward always follow? Choice. 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 It, it, it was that way even in the law. See, I lay before you today life or death, blessing or cursing, goodness or evil. As you, you choose, it's always been that way. And reward always follows choice. If I make a bad choice, consequence always follows choice. All right, move on. Verse 7, and when you pray, don't keep babbling <laughs> like the pagans. They think they will be heard because of how many words they use. They say, oh, the more words I use and the more I pray, then the, that'll be better. No, not always. I think the best prayer I've ever prayed is, help. <laughs> How many of you ever prayed those one-letter prayers? Help. Rescue me. Short prayers, right? Those are always the best. He says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need. <laughs> Before you even ask Him. And then He tells us, this is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Why don't you read it with me? On earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who owe us, right? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive, and lead us not into temptation, we live from the evil one. He says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them their sins, then your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Wow. So he's given us the keys how to pray. And then he goes on, and he says, and when you fast, don't look miserable and somber like the hypocrites, the actors do. They disfigure their faces to show how much misery they're in. Oh, I haven't eaten in 23 days. Oh, all I've had is water. Look at my cheeks. They're sunken in. They, and they want, to, they want people to feel pity for them. He's like, don't do that. I tell you the truth. They've already received their reward. God, what an empty reward. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face. What's he saying? Take a bath. Get your hair cut. Shave. Work out in the morning. Go get some sun. Get some sun on your skin. Look good. Put some lotion on, some perfume, so that you smell good. 
so that no one knows that you're fasting. All right? So that, so that it, uh, he says, put some oil in your wash so it'll be obvious to, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only your father who is unseen. And then what does it say again? And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. So when you choose to do it this way, the reward follows always. Let's keep going. And this is where we're going to land. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Where moth and rust corrupts, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. What's verse 21 say? For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Isn't it interesting that your heart follows your treasure? We all always kind of think of it like, well, the things that I really love will attract the treasure to me or attract the things that that I want to me, but that's really not how it works. My choices of what I call valuable or not valuable will cause my heart to be attached to my choice. So what is he saying in this? Do not live like the hypocrites, like the religious people, like the Pharisees, like the pagans. Don't serve me the way they serve me. But I want you to serve me in a secret place with passion, with decision, with choice. And when you serve me this way, I will reward you openly. People will see my hand upon your life. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. The reason why the hypocrites and the pagans and all the people he just talked about do the things they do is because they value earthly things more than heavenly things. They value the looks of pity when they're fasting more than they value obedience to God. So they get their reward. Our reward will always follow our choice. If my choice is bad, then sometimes I get rewarded with bad things. What did he tell Israel? Hey, I'll give you the thing that you're asking for, but it will bring what to your heart? Say it. Leanness. Everyone say leanness. Like, oh, what does that mean? It means it will make your heart not to the full capacity. It will cause your heart to be divided and going different directions. And he says, I want to give you singleness of heart, not divided hearts. So sometimes our choices will bring the rewards that we didn't want. And it's all on where our treasure is. What do we treasure? What do we value? Here's how we know what we treasure and what we value. Really easy. Where we spend our time on. What do we spend our money on? What do we spend our talent on? Time, talent, treasure. If we ever need to assess our life and say, Lord, am I laying up for myself treasures in heaven or treasures on earth? I can easily figure it out by pulling out my bank statement and seeing where I've spent my money. Whoa. I can easily go back over my calendar. What did I spend all my time on these last few weeks? We all get the same. Man, where did my time go? Well, it went here because it's my treasure. What did I spend my talent on? Come on. I spent my talent earning a paycheck. Well, that's okay. But that's only part of it. Your talent isn't just to 
to, to provide you a paycheck to pay bills. Oh, come on. Your talent is not just supposed to pay for your bills. Your talent is supposed to bring a future to you. It's to bring increase to your life. So we know where our treasure is, where our time, talent, and our, and our treasure, where our money goes, right? And he says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. If you do it on earth, moths are going to come in and steal it from you. Was it is in Haggai or one of the smaller prophets? He says, you earn wages only to put them in bags with holes in it. Well, that'd be miserable. Like, man, I'm working really hard. I'm earning a lot of money and I'm putting it in my bag. And as I'm walking down the road, putting all my money in my bag, it's falling out behind me because there's holes in my bag. Have you ever felt like that before? Like, where are all the holes in my finances coming from? Well, where's your treasure? But these things are important. Well, let's see what Jesus says about that. See, the eye is the lamp of the body, verse 22. If your eye is good, your whole body will be good. What you choose to look at, come on, will make your body righteous or non- unrighteous. What I, behold, what, I, what I worship, what I behold, I will become. Hmm. It says if your eye is evil or bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. I love this. No one can serve two masters. Would you say that would be no one can serve two masters? And then he says, for either you will choose to love one or you will choose to hate the other or you will cleave to one and you will ignore the other because you can only make one decision and one of them is going to get your attention, your affection and your and your love. And one of them is going to be left out in the dark. And my choice determines where my treasure is. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And the word mammon is the personification of wealth. It's not just money. It's the worship of money as if it were a God. He says, you can't do that. Now let's go. Let's close the chapter out. Again, do not sort for ourselves treasures on earth, but treasures where? In heaven. Therefore, so because all I just said is true, is what Jesus is saying, because all that's true, I tell you this. Do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body and what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and isn't the body more than clothes? I would say absolutely. Life is way more than food. I mean, Jesus seems to say, I've got food you don't even know about. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. In other words, I gain my sustenance, not from eating fish and bread with you guys. I gain my sustenance from my love affair with my father, from being connected to him in right relationship with him. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't worry. I bet there's never in the history of the world been a bird worry about where he's going to get his next meal or where he's going to make a nest. Some of us drop some toilet paper out of the car, something in the trash, and he fig, find, the bird finds it and adds it to his nest. Like, oh, whole plug, problem solved. And they keep living with not a care in the world. Right? Come on. So what does he say about that? He says, your heavenly father feeds them. He takes care of them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? (laughs) Who of you by worrying can add one single hour to your life? Have you ever tried that one before? And I'm going to worry an hour back into my life. 
Or I'm going to try to reverse time and go back and undo that choice I just made. Can't do it, right? So why do you worry about clothes? Look at the lilies of the field. They do not toil, they don't labor, they don't spin, yet I tell them that even Solomon in all of his splendor and glory wasn't as dressed as nicely as one of them. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? For the pagans pursue. This is what he's really saying. The pagans treasure these things. That's why they chase them. But I want you to be different. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. The Bible tells us that He will provide all of our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's going to take care of our needs. Amen? How many believe that? God does. That's our history. He takes care of us, right? So He says, don't, don't treasure and chase and pursue after the things that the unbelievers pursue after. And then here's the key of the whole thing. But seek first. Everyone say that with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what will happen? All of these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will have enough worry for itself. Each day has enough trouble. What's the point? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seeking is a choice. So I've got some, I've got actually quite a few friends that are unbelievers that a lot of them are agnostic or, um, or completely atheist. They don't believe in God or some of them are into Buddhism and all other kinds of religions and things like that. And this is what I always say when I'm, when I'm praying about them, when I'm talking about what's going on, just keep seeking because if you're, a real, if you're truly a seeker, you will find Jesus. Because you will, if you're an honest seeker, you may go through Buddhism and you may go through this and that. But if you keep actually really, truly seeking to know, Jesus will reveal himself to them. So I'm not really concerned. What concerns me is when I find someone who's not an honest seeker. They're not even choosing. They're not even, I'm not even looking for any truth. I'm not looking for anything better than what I have right now. That's a, that's a hopeless situation. But he says if you will seek first, if you will choose first to pursue the kingdom, all the things that you were worried about before, time, talent, treasure, all that stuff, Jesus will add to your life. He will take care of you. But it comes with a choice to seek him. Amen? Where our treasure is, our desires will follow. Yeah. Would you stand? Thank you, Lord. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to all choose those that want to. You don't have to. It's your choice. We're going to re-up our choice. We're going to re-up our yes. I, I just, I'm excited about what's going on, what I feel in the spirit realm. Don't judge by what you see with your eyes or what you hear with your ears. Judge by your, your spirit connection with what God is saying, what God is doing. We're going to talk about what God's doing, not what he's not doing. Yeah, 
And what I feel going on right now in this core of this church is really good. I mean really good. Because he's turning our affections. He's pulling on our heartstrings. And we're responding to him. We're choosing him. And we're getting back to the things that really matter, to our first love. When he told them, he says, you've left your first love. What did he tell them was the solution? Go back and do the what? Do the first work. Do the things you did first. What is he saying? You've left your love. You've left your first love. Well, how do you get it back? Well, the choices you made when you fell in love with him, go back and make those choices again. And you will fall back in love with him. And I feel like that's really what's going on in the church right now. God is is shuffling the deck of our affections. And he's asking the question, do you love me? Oh, you know, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Matt? You know I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Tyrus? You know I love you, Lord. Feed my lambs. Yes, sir. I hear him asking us, do you love me? And guess what I'm feeling? We're saying yes, and we're falling in love with him in a new way. It's becoming new again, and it's beautiful. And so what I want us to do, I want us to protect that. I want us today to come to the front. You want to pray where you're at. It's, it's fine with me. We do have banners. If you need something specific, go to the banner. Someone will meet you there to pray for healing, freedom, or salvation. If you want to turn your heart to the Lord, today's the day of salvation. But I would like for us to just recommit our choices to him. God, I choose you. I say yes to you. I'm going to say this last thing I'm saying. Banning Liebscher, who's the leader of all of Jesus' culture, he was talking about the great uh, glory that's coming in the latter house. And he says, in a generation with millions of choices, when he sees a generation of people say, I choose you, God, in the midst of all these choices, the power and the authority of God is going to rest on that generation like none before because they had so many choices, yet they chose him. I'm going to be part of that generation. Bob Johnson prophesied that there will be a billion soul harvest of young people coming to the kingdom in the next, I don't know how many years. He passed away, but in the next few years, next 20 years or whatever it is, a billion young people coming into the kingdom? And guess what? That's not even the fullness of God's heart. He wants all to come to repentance. So I can get excited about a billion out of seven, but man, he wants all seven billion. So I say yes to that. So let's be part of that today. Would you just join in prayer right where you're at and recommit your yes to the Lord? If you need prayer, we'll meet you.